Hallelujah. Amen. Lord Jesus, we thank you for today, Lord God. Thank you for all the things that you've done here today, Lord. Thank you for this afternoon, Lord God, and the uh, signs you got baptized, Lord God. And thank you for the words that you've been giving to us and things, Lord. And I just pray tonight that you'll speak to us here, Lord God. Even though there's only a few of us here, Lord, I pray, Lord God, you are sat here with us by your presence and in your power, Lord God, and pray that you will minister to us through your blessed Holy Spirit. And we ask it in the precious name of Jesus, Lord. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So if you've got a Bible, let's open them up to Hebrews chapter 1. Now Hebrews is a really, really good book. Hebrews needs to be taken with a little bit of care because um, we are Gentiles. And so when we look at Hebrews, we kind of like put on our little Gentile lenses and we interpret it through that. But please remember that this is written to Jewish believers in, 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 in Yeshua or in Jesus. And so consequently, we make assumptions that actually probably not actually in the book because you know it's written to Jewish people and there's certain things that he's trying to get across but where sometimes we Gentiles we like see see this that and the other and it's like not necessarily true um, so for example in Hebrews 10 verse 1 it says the law is a shadow and type uh, not the reality itself the context of that is the sacrificial system um, not necessarily the rest of the law and stuff so you've got to be careful with all this stuff because um, it just takes, you know, you've got to put yourself into their mindset, so to speak, to understand and get more and glean more out of this book. So it says, long ago, God spoke to our ancestors in many uh, and various ways by the prophets. Long ago. Something that I want us to think about for a minute is God is always speaking to us. And he started a long time ago. This is not the introduction to Star Wars and the galaxy far, far away. A long time ago, right from the beginning of the creation of the world, creation of the world began through the word of God. Jesus is the word and he became in flesh. As we know, he dwelt amongst us. But obviously the, the word appeared unto Abraham. It says in, I think in uh, Genesis 14 or 15, it says the word of the Lord appeared to Abraham and said, and gives him this big diatribe of prophecy referring to like, I'll make your descendants as great as, and numerous as the stars in heaven. And, and Abraham says, oh, my Lord God, speaking to the word of God, oh, my Lord God, how can this be? You know, and, and on, the, on the discourse goes. And so we have the, the appearing of the word of the Lord appearing in the Old Testament. And long ago, God spoke to our ancestors. God has always been speaking. God has always been revealing, you know, even in that famous prophecy in Genesis 3.14 or Genesis 3.15, sorry, where God says to Eve that from you will come one who will crush his head and he will bruise his heel. That whole messianic prophecy that begins right there in the garden. And God has always been speaking to us and speaking to our ancestors in many and various different ways by the prophets. And I want to think... I want us to think for a minute about God speaking to us. Now, we are charismatics, um, I guess so, I guess we are. And, and we, tend to, we sometimes get blinkered a little bit in our way of hearing the voice of God. So, for example, give me, let me give you an example of what I mean by this. So, if you were Catholic, for example, okay, 
and you felt like you were called to do something in the Catholic Church, it would either be missionary work, become a nun, become a monk, become a deacon or become a priest. Okay, they're your kind of like your five things that you get. In the charismatic movement, we have our things, don't we? Everyone wants to be a prophet or move in the gift of prophecy or be an evangelist or, or you know, no one wants to be a pastor um, and uh, do, all, do all the fun stuff. Amen. And so we kind of limit ourselves again to hearing God because of what our denomination gives us to look at. And so it's the same with like the Anglicans and same with the Baptists. They have their, their certain things that they want to see. Uh, but sometimes we only see what we think that we should see. And sometimes, and more often than not, we can't see the wood for the trees because of our own blindness, because of our own denomination and our own biases, when God could be speaking to us about many things. Give you an example. A friend of mine, she was, uh, she's out, but she's just finished at Bible school, and this is at Kingdom Faith. And obviously, she's trying to put herself into the kind of mold that you would expect after having done that Bible teaching and gone through Kingdom Faith and worked with those great leaders and stuff. Uh, and so she was like pushing into this area and trying to push into that area, but God wasn't opening the doors for her. Yet, as she was scrolling through Facebook and praying and wondering, these adverts kept coming up about adoption. It's like, why are they coming up on my phone? Why would I want to adopt? Duh. I just kept scrolling past. And, and eventually, after about a couple of months, uh, and seeing these adoption things keep coming up on her phone, and then, and then she had a conversation with someone, and someone just said to her, do you know what, I don't know, I don't know where this has come from, but I feel God is saying that maybe you should, you should adopt. And, and then suddenly it all became clear. And you know, well, she was trying to push into one particular type of stream of ministry or something, but actually God had something else for it. But she wasn't seeing it because she was blinkered by our own denominational biases that, well, these are the things that you want to aim for if you're a charismatic, right? And you've been to Bible college and done that. And I think sometimes God is trying to speak to us in various and diverse ways, but we're not seeing and we're not hearing because we are too focused on what our denomination tells us to aim and look for and to hear for. Does everyone understand me? Some of you are like, yeah, and some of you are like, huh? Okay. So long ago, God spoke to our ancestors in many and various ways. And it's this word, this, these, these bits here, many and various ways, is that I really want to kind of bring out a little bit today, is that God does speak to us in many different ways and in various different ways. Now, because we're charismatics, we're always after a now word from God. Oh, Lord Jesus, you know, tell me what my ministry is. Tell me what my calling is. Oh, dear Lord Jesus, I want to do this for the kingdom. I want to do that for the kingdom. Oh, Jesus, 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 Jesus. But actually, God is speaking to us in wonderful ways all of the time right now. And we're not even aware of it. Give you an example. Uh, well, I, a long time ago, as, I, as some of you know, I worked at a monastery and I worked alongside all these nuns. I was only about 18, 19 at the time. And they taught me all kinds of weird and wonderful things about prayer and contemplation and meditation. And one of the books that I read when I was there was, was um, I think it was by Richard Foster, who was talking about the celebration of discipline. And there was another book that he did about um, meditating and praying and stuff. And he was suggesting that Christians should meditate on the things that they see around them in the natural world. Now you might think, well, that's a bit weird. Because Paul says, isn't he, in Romans chapter one, he says the natural world is revealing to us visibly the invisible attributes of the living God. Right, okay. So I do this occasionally, and I'm always amazed at, at what I see. Now, you know, I'm not saying what I've seen is like, that's what it is, but I know that the Psalms teach me that all of creation 
is revealing to me and telling me the things about God. So if I look up at the stars at night, you can see the 12 constellations or the 13 constellations, whichever way you swing on that, and you can see the whole salvation message in each of those houses of the 12 constellations. It's always up there. It's always been telling me about Jesus, but we don't have eyes to see because we just think, oh, they're pretty stars, but don't realize that the gospel message is written right in front of us, but we can't see the wood for the trees. And so sometimes I... I go a little bit weird. So I, like I was in the park the other day and I saw, I saw like a maple tree with like the, the five pronged leaf. And uh, so I picked that up, a leaf, make sure no one's looking at me. And, uh, and I'm walking around and I'm looking at this maple leaf. And I'm like, okay, God, what's this maple leaf gonna teach me about you? Well, I noticed that it had five prongs on it, you know, sort of five points, but I noticed that the middle stem was the longest. And I noticed that the human hand does the same thing too. And then I noticed and thought, five, and what does the number five represent? And then I started thinking, and the Holy Spirit was reminding me of stuff referring to the law of God, the Torah. And I don't know if you know this, but, uh, and you can see this in the Hebrew, that in the first two books, Genesis and Exodus, every so many letters in the Hebrew alphabet, it spells out Torah. Yeah, you get this equidential letter skip. So you take one letter, I think you jump seven times. So it's, no, I, I'm going to say it in English, because so it's T, then O, then R, then A, then H. Every single seven letters, it spells that out throughout the whole book of Genesis and throughout the whole book of Exodus. Okay? The mathematical probability of that is, is staggering to be able to achieve that. Then when you get to the book of Leviticus, it does the same, but it spells the name Yehovah or Yahweh or Yahuwah or however you want to pronounce it. Yeah, Yadveh, Yadveh, yeah, thanks, yeah. So you get the, the four, the tetragrams and the four Hebrew letters. And that also does the same thing. And then the next two books, which is Numbers and Deuteronomy, do exactly the same thing with the word Torah again, but back in, but this time in reverse. So the word Torah is pointing to Leviticus. And then when, when you go past Leviticus, the Torah is pointing back to Leviticus. And then you look at the human hand and you've got five fingers, but the middle finger is the pointy one. And on this leaf was the pointy bit of the leaf. And it's like, and so, and I was like, well, what does that mean? And I felt the Holy Spirit saying, because Leviticus is the key book. Leviticus is the key that underpins it all because Leviticus is all about Jesus. It's all about the sacrificial system, how Jesus was the meat offering, the grain offering, the sin offering, the guilt offering, the burnt offering, the ordination offering. And now that the book of Leviticus is screaming out, Jesus. And then you look at this common leaf and you're thinking, wow, this tree is just constantly slamming it in my face. In every, in every you look around all these trees and it's like saying, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And, and, and what God has done through the law and how that through Christ we have our sins forgiven and there's a way back to God and peace with God. And then, you know, and then I saw an oak leaf and it had 10 throngs on it. And then God was speaking to you about the 10 commandments and all this kind of stuff. And it's like everything is proclaiming to us the glory of God. But what that tree didn't tell me was my ministry for Jesus. It didn't tell me like, oh, Chris, you know, when you get to this age, you're going to be like an international preacher. Yes, amen. You know, from a leaf, because if I did do that, you would know I'm crazy. But creation, what I'm saying is God is speaking to us at all times in various and many different types of ways. The problem is, is half the time we're just not listening or we're just not looking. We're so locked into well 
I think God's, you know, I, I need to know what God is saying about this in my life. And I need to know what God is saying about that in my life. How about we park that for a minute? Because actually we've all got, let's be honest, more prophecies that we could ever get through in our lives. Well, some of you might think I've only got one, but generally a lot of Christians have a lot of prophecies spoken over their lives. You've either fulfilled it or you've yet to fulfill it. But there's so much more that God wants to speak to us. There's so much more that God wants to reveal to us. He wants to show you stuff that will enrich and deepen your walk with God in ways that you couldn't have even begin to imagine, which go far beyond the froth and the fizzle of what's my destiny in Jesus, where suddenly you wake up and you start to see the wood past the trees and you suddenly look at creation and you just see everything is screaming God. Everything is screaming the gospel, the stars, the heavens, the gospel is written up there. You know, all of creation screaming the goodness of God, the miracle of God, the power of God, revealing the, the invisible attributes of God visibly so that we can comprehend the invisible God in an oak tree. God spoke to our ancestors in many and various different ways. And what I want to try and encourage people to do, and I think what the Spirit was saying to me this morning was he wants people to start opening their minds a little bit. Go past our denominational biases and blindnesses to actually start thinking, there is so much more that God wants to say to me. When I first got saved, uh, when I was 17, I, I remember getting this like little Every Day with Jesus book. You know, and I'm not having a, I'm not saying anything wrong with everyday Jesus. They're awesome, all right? UCB do their own one and all that kind of stuff. It's all very good. But I'm amazed at how many Christians said, oh, God really spoke to me today through the, uh, through the UCB thought for the day. Not there's anything wrong with that. That's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. It's good. It's good that God has spoken to you through that. Um, but you can get God speaking to you every moment of every hour, of every minute, of every second of every day if you just meditate on scripture and you will hear the living voice of God in your spirit at any moment. Hallelujah. I don't need to buy a, a year subscription to UCB magazine. Not that there's anything wrong with it. I'm not, not, not saying anything wrong with it. Or the everyday with Jesus. But you can hear God for yourself. And God will speak to you in many and various diverse ways. And it excites me. It excites me. You know, because, again, where I was being brought up kind of charismatic, you're, and, and I'm not having to go at anyone here, because I've done it myself. We all do it. You know, you want to go to those meetings where the prophet is or the prophetess is there or something, you know, and you're like, you're sat there going, pick me, pick me, have a word for me, have a word for me. And it's like, God is like, yeah, but that, I can do that. I can work through that. But actually, there's so much more that we could do. Because the Holy Spirit, he wants to enter, and I know this is all cliched stuff, but he really does want to enter into a depth of intimacy with us. And when God starts telling you his secrets that are all around you, that are actually for everybody to know, that is amazing. It's like, who cares about what my ministry is? I just want to, I just want to spend more time with, with God. And, and what's he going to teach me from this or teach me from that? God is a good God. And he's constantly trying to speak to us. He's constantly trying to show us things. But it's not always about us. And it's not always about my destiny. Actually, God wants you to be enthralled with the wonder of who God is. 
Hallelujah. Glory be to God. And uh, that is all around us. But we become too indifferent. We become too casual about everything. There are wonderful, mystical things that God has put right in front of our very eyes, but we can't see it. I don't know why Holy Spirit's giving me this picture, but I remember this story of this uh, guy as a, uh, the lead singer from the band Yes. Um, and uh, I remember Rick Wakeman talking about it. And he said he's a bit of a weirdo. Uh, you know, he said uh, he w- he'd be out of his, looking out of his window and he was in this hotel and the, and the hotelier guy came up and was really pleased to meet, I think it's John Anderson his name is. And he was like, oh, I'm so pleased to meet you, John Anderson. And there on, on, this, on, on this stand, he was painting a picture Right now, of all the things he could have painted outside of his window, beautiful, extravagant view, he's painting a picture of a daisy. It's like, so the hotel like come up to um, Rick Wakeman and is like, what is? Why is he? Why is he painting a picture of a daisy? There's no, I can't see any daisies. What's he doing? But he's like, yeah, he's a bit weird like that. But you see, what he saw was what no one else did. He focused in on one single thing saw the beauty and the detail and the glory and a little tiny daisy <laughs> and he painted this picture a beautiful picture of a daisy because that's what he was seeing and that's what something that he was getting and sometimes you know we need to take a step back we always want to see the big picture we always want to know all the details but actually why can we not fall in wonder at the smallest though minutest of things and just see the glory of god in it for example DNA, the most, one of the most smallest things. You can't see it, you, you, but we're all made of it. Yet there's this little tiny thing inside our DNA which has this hook and a propeller on it. And it basically goes back and forth, carrying information and repairing data, uh, data that's gone, that's been corrupted. It's constantly going back and forth. And scientists who have noticed this little thing as it goes back and forth, A, it looks like it's alive, and B, the propeller, bearing in mind that it's spinning through liquid, can spin so quick that it goes one way and it spins and goes back the other way that it breaks the laws of physics. Nothing in liquid could possibly do that. But there it is doing it under the microscope. And this is like, this is one of the smallest things in the world and it is the building blocks to all human life and it's just got God written all over it. Hallelujah. Long ago, God spoke to our ancestors in many and various different ways by the prophets. And this is one of the glories of the New Testament, is that in the Old Covenant, God only really spoke through three types of people, prophet, priest, and king. And only those people uh, were privileged enough to have the Holy Spirit in them and on them. But here in the New Covenant, we now have the Spirit of God now residing in us. You see, when Jesus died on the cross and the veil was torn in the holy temple, what was it telling us? It was telling us that this is what the argument of Hebrews is all along. The blood of bulls and goats cannot take away sin. And no, it never could do and it never will do because it was always a prophetic ushering of that which Christ was going to fulfill. But then when Christ did fulfill it, it's like it's now no longer relevant. Josephus notes in, in one of his uh, historical books, 
that at the time after, now I don't think he quite put it together with Jesus, but he said after a certain period of time, it was like AD 34, uh, the, on the, the horns of the altar, on the Day of Atonement, you'd have this scarlet thread, which was a thread covered in blood, and it'd be attached to each of the horns of the altar. Every, every uh, Day of Atonement, it would go from blood to completely white. But then from AD 34, it never, it never went back to being white again, because the type is finished. It's over. Now the reality has come. Now the fullness has come. Because the Torah in the mediatorial system of the sacrificial system is a type and a shadow of the things to come. And so when Jesus died on the cross, the veil in the temple was torn. Why? Because now it's been replaced by a new veil, the veil of his flesh that we come through the veil of his flesh and now we can come into the true tabernacle in heaven and now we can come boldly to the throne of grace to receive mercy and help of time of need. It's no longer a judgment seat but now it's a mercy seat and we have full access through the veil of Christ's flesh to come into the living temple of God. And Jesus said, I am the temple and if you destroy me in three days, I'll raise it again from the ground. And nobody knew that his flesh was the veil which allowed us to go into the most holy of places to get into the Father because no one can come to the Father unless they come through Christ. Hallelujah. That's what happened when the veil got torn. A new way, the perfect way. The tabernacle on earth, the temple on earth is merely a replica and a shadow of the heavenly realities. Jesus is the living temple in flesh and when he died, we go through his flesh now and through the veil of that flesh and we can access the Father through the Son. But then no one can come to the Son unless the Father draws him. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Man, I could be here all night. I'm, I'm on a roll here. I'm loving this. Hallelujah, Holy Spirit. Thank you. This is the wonderful God that we serve. And in the old days, you could only get this kind of revelation through prophets or through priests or kings that had special dispensation like David. He quite clearly was a king, but he was quite clearly a prophet. And he actually was quite clearly operating in degrees of the priesthood, which he shouldn't have done, but he did because he was a type of that which was to come. Hallelujah. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. Now, last days, what does that mean? You know, because let's be honest, we, we generally think last days is end days, don't we? Like, you know, uh, I, I get so many emails with videos, YouTube videos, like, Chris, Chris, according to this latest biblical data, the rapture's next Tuesday. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I've got it on my phone. I've got one. It, said, it was it sent to me yesterday, it, the rapture's on Tuesday. Okay. I know, I was gutted. It's like, well, I've just paid all that money. He's gone on holiday. Sorry? It's going to ruin your birthday, is it? And, and it's like, okay, all right. I don't, I don't want to get into that. But, and so that's generally what you get these two camps of Christians. You know, like, we've got right, the end days, you know, raptures tomorrow or whatever. And then we get the other camp where people don't even think we're in the end of days or even remotely close to it at all. You tend to get the two extremes. But when it's talking about last days, it doesn't mean end days, but last days. So we have now come into... Now, I don't particularly hold to a lot of dispensational theology, but I do believe quite categorically that some dispensational thing has changed in that the Holy Spirit is now not on a selected few, but is now in the body of Christ in a way that it never was in the, in the Old Testament church, if you like. But in these last days, so basically the last days, 
the earlier days were the shadow and the type and then once Christ had come and ascended back to heaven this becomes the last days of the fulfillment of that until we come into the return of Christ. In the beginning of the age, we had Christ in the garden, walking with Adam and Eve, then came the fall. Then had to come the Torah and the mediatorial system that pointed to one who was gonna come and fill it. The word's not fulfilling. When Jesus says, I've come to fulfill the law, it doesn't say fulfill, it's actually fill, as what the Greek literally says, which means that he's everything which the law pointed to, but he's come to bring it to fullness and to completion in a way that never could have happened before. And after that, then we come into the last days. So this is the slither of history that we're in now. Before then, we can have the garden experience again, where Jesus then comes back to rule from Mount Zion over the nations. And then we, at the end of that, we come into the last age, which is when God the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit in the new Jerusalem come down and land on a new earth on a new Israel I guess because it's a Jerusalem and it's a Mount Zion and all that kind of stuff and then we get to dwell with our God under the order of Melchizedek as Jesus Christ as our king and high priest and we are priests unto him forever and ever hallelujah so in these last days he has spoken to us by his son and this is, this is the wonderful mystery here. Now, we all know that Jesus Christ came and, and took on human flesh and walked amongst us and spoke. And I spoke a little bit about that earlier today and in the first, first service. But also, I want us to catch the revelation here of the body of Christ. Because God has, in these last days, he's spoken to us by his son. We know that Jesus went around. We know that he, he preached and, and spoken things. But Jesus is still speaking to us. And he's speaking to us through his mystical body, which is the church, the ecclesia, on the earth, right here, right now. And I said this at the earlier service, that each one of us, we display something of the attribute of the fullness of God. Individually, we are not the church, but corporately we are, and we make up the body of Christ. The body of Christ is manifest on the earth through you and through me. And so when the world looks at us, they should be seeing Jesus. And here in these last days, God speaks to us by his son and through his body, the church. God has spoken to us by his son. Hallelujah. What a wonderful mystery that we are in. You know, what a wonderful thing that Jesus has done for us. Things that, trans that just go beyond our understanding, beyond the intellect, beyond reason. When Jesus said, eat my flesh, drink my blood, it was offensive to the Jewish people. And it's as offensive today to Christians as it was back then. But Jesus has come, the Lamb of God, the bread from heaven, that we might eat of him and live forever and not perish. But you see, Jesus is what? What else is he? He's the word. And this is how God speaks to us daily as well. Feasting on the word. You know, people say, oh, I haven't heard God in ages. And it's like, well, pick up a Bible and read. But that, again, that's good. It tells us about God and it reveals things to us about God. But there's nothing like meditating on scripture where you are literally chewing on the word of God and allowing the spirit to bring depth and understanding of things that you probably never, ever considered or thought of before. 
You know, that, that, that whole thing about Jesus being the temple and going through his veil of his flesh is in Hebrews, but I never really got it until I meditated on it this week. And it's just like, bang, it just hit me. It just came out of my mouth. And I was like, oh my gosh, I've never understood that. Now I understand it. Because I always just say, you know, the temple taught, curtain was torn and then the spirit of God came out from being on a box. And somehow inside I just thought, no, that doesn't feel right. But it's what, what Protestant theology teaches. But then I saw it in Hebrews in a whole other way that actually Jesus is the temple and his flesh is the veil so that we can come into the throne room of God in the true tabernacle in heaven. We can come literally to the Father, literally through the Son. Hallelujah. Praise God. Isn't he good? And his, his mysteries are there, right in front of us. But, like I said, we don't see the wood for the trees. We become so used to reading scripture. We get so used to, we've read that Bible over and over again. And you're like, yeah, we know what that means. But really, do we? As I, as I meditate through, through Hebrews, I do it every now and then. The amount of understanding that I get that the Spirit gives me. It's not my understanding, it's not my intellect, I can't take any credit for it, but God drops it in there. And it's not weird, airy-fairy, out there stuff. It's like it all links up together and it just begins to make sense. And it's like, well, that's what it said, but I kind of just never really saw it like it said. <laughs> You're like, man, you, you mean this stuff is for real? Yeah, it's real. When Jesus says what he said, he meant what he said. Hallelujah. In these, I'll bring it to a close now. In these last days, he's spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom he also created the worlds. Hallelujah. In these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. And in these last days, he's poured out his Holy Spirit upon us, that the spirit of truth may lead us into all truth. The Bible doesn't say that you'll instantly know all things, but he said that he will lead us into truth. Providing we walk and work with the Spirit, he will show us and teach us and reveal things to us. It says in the Proverbs that the mysteries of God are the things for kings to search out. It's the, it's the delight and the joy of kings to seek out and to search out. It's what God wants from us. He wants us to be treasure seekers. It's like he wants us to be like tomb raiders. It's like, oh Lord, I want to find some treasure today. I want you to reveal some things to me today from your sacred word, from the world around me, from the things that are going on that I just can't see oh lord will you give me revelation will you give me understanding like paul it says he had a spirit of wisdom and revelation and that's how he understood the whole gospel message and he prays for the church in ephesians and galatians and lord let your spirit of wisdom and revelation fall upon them that they may know that they may understand and walk in the knowledge of god this is not head knowledge this is understanding the beauty and the depth and the complexity and the wondrousness and the inf in eternalness and the transcendence of the almighty, true and living God. That God gives you a glimpse of something that you could never begin to comprehend. Yet in the incomprehensible, God allows you somehow to comprehend something of it. And it changes you forever. Hallelujah. So if there's one thing I want you to get out today, start learning to listen to God in all the various different ways that he's talking to us and all the things he's trying to reveal to us because God wants to have a great time with us and he wants to show us things and take us on a roller coaster ride through the things of his word and his spirit that we never knew. It's not weird, it's not freaky, it's not goofy. It's completely grounded in the word and it's beautiful and it's awesome and all the glory goes to him. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen.